0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface, Six. And Father, I wanted to to continue the conversation we were having our last episode and kind of clarify where we had a little stumbling block um, to look in a broad perspective of trying to live as Christ and and to apply his teachings to our lives to essentially make us better people. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what the end goal of being a Christian is, is to be more Christ-like. So one of the important things that you highlighted that is a pillar of the Catholic faith is that no matter how you look at it, Christ was a victim of death and crucifixion and much difficulty, especially throughout the passion that we focus here upon Lent. Um, And that's not really unique to him within the Bible. A vast majority of the prophets in the Bible had bad things happen to him at one point or another. Um, so I, I wanted to, to kind of start with there because there's kind of a theme that, um, you know, Christ is a victim. There's no way around it. But he also at the same time wasn't looking to be a woe is me, I need attention type of victim the way that we might see it um articulated in our life with other examples that, oh, this bad thing happened to me, so you can't make me accountable um, as an individual um, example could be. Um, So, I wanted to discuss the difference there because obviously what Christ did was virtuous. He, He died for the sake of conquering sin. I mean, you can't really get higher than that ever. So, I wanted to talk about the difference, and then again, this could be my perspective's wrong, and I might be cold and callous, but to me, I see a difference between looking for problems that may or may not be actually real-life problems and applying them to oneself so that you can claim to be a victim for attention compared to what Christ is actually calling us to do. Um, so, that that's how I wanted to articulate this episode
1: yeah there's a there's a space in that that starts to get into people's hearts in uh in important ways and I don't know that I've fully articulated all of the distinctions between maybe different uh categories of people it seems like it seems like there might be a kind of person who weaponizes uh, the bad things that have happened to them and um I think I can say that. I just want to be careful because there's sometimes the the opposite happens, and uh, sometimes we we weaponize in the reverse. You're you're playing the victim, or you have a victim complex, or and that gets thrown at some people that it, that don't deserve it. So I'm I'm sensitive to the reverse because those are people that I work with and have been pressed under this accusation of. Um, you know, having a victim complex or or being self pitying in a way that uh, that I think is actually honest. There are people who are really suffering, who have had really hard lives, and and suppressing that for the sake of having a stiff upper lip and forging ahead in order to not get the uh, uh, accusation from somebody else that they're acting like a victim doesn't help them. And you know, we do suffer real things, and that does affect us in real ways and being able to express that suffering is uh, human and honest and it deserves compassion and and there are, um, yeah and, and, and it's valuable to do that and of course that's a, a fair amount of the ministry that I do is receiving people who are really suffering and my uh, my approach with them is to to receive that and enter into the suffering with them and and, and let them feel that and give them some space for that. Um, sometimes, in, uh, th- I like this distinction that I've, I got from someone else. Sometimes there are wounds, uh, which is what I just described, and those wounds need to be tended and compassion uh, for them. And then sometimes you can have dirty wounds. And that's, again, where the sort of weaponizing uh, of that comes from. There's a way to express our wounds that's really vulnerable. And where, where I open myself to someone else and I, I could be rejected by them, I, I could be ignored by them, I could be uh, uh, yeah, cast off in some way by them, um, but, I'm not, but I'm taking that risk and opening my heart and sharing what's going on in my life and how I've suffered and maybe in my past, the, the things that have happened. So there's a vulnerable way of, of talking about the suffering that we've gone through. And then there's a kind of weaponizing way that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shove it in your face and I'm going to use it as a political movement and I'm going to turn it into an agenda and I'm going to uh, wall off any self consideration because I'm going to hide behind uh, this thing. So, there's, you know, that's what I would call sort of dirty wounds. Now, there are real wounds there. And, and sometimes those, uh, those walls that we put up or those weapons that we pull out are not best defeated by, you know, uh, more weapons and bombs and destruction. It's like, well, you have dirty wounds and you weaponized your victimhood. And so I'm just going to crush you and cast you aside. (laughs) That's not the best approach, even for dirty wounds, uh, or for that sort of weaponized victimhood necessarily. Now we may have to say, well, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, um, unless you're willing to, you know, so maybe um I was talking with somebody who works at a like at a homeless shelter and and somebody who kind of comes in with a certain kind of, a certain amount of entitlement and says, well like you 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 know give me this, uh you owe me this i you know and has a uh has a kind of hardened attitude towards what they ought to get now, I first of all see that as, well, how hard is it to be in that position, to feel so powerless?" You know that you're on the street, that you don't have a home, you don't really have a right to anything, and nobody really has to listen to you. It must be terrible. I mean, it must really be terrible to be in that position. And so then it's I, it's understandable that that somebody would want to kind of prop up and and put some armor on, and you know, even if it's only uh, picking up a blunt instrument, trying to make a weapon out of it, so that I feel like I have some power and. And I I think, you know, the people I talk to who work at homeless shelters or soup kitchens, I think the initial approach tends to be, well, I'm going to start treating this person with dignity because they do really have a stake. They're a human being made in the image and likeness of God. I'm going to start treating them with dignity. Now, if they continue to be demanding and offensive, even hurtful, or, you know, they start uh, hurting other people or they start abusing that, well then, I have to put up a wall and say, you know, th- this can't go. We we can't have this. There there are you know other people also have a right, and and I have to respect that. And so, without demonizing uh, the person, I, I say, well, I can, you know, we just can't help you right now. or unless you're going to abide by this policy, you can't stay in this place. And there's a way we can do that. That's not mean spirited. That's not accusatory. That's not destructive. And so. I think that's the kind of thing that we uh, that we aim at. Now, again, depending on you know when when some kinds of victims have sort of mobilized and you know become not just an individual who's uh, puffing out their chest and trying to claim uh, some dignity by by some behavior, but um, has become a movement and has wielded political power and is now starting to victimize others by their by their dirty wounds, you know, again, we we deal with those things in in different ways. But um, I guess I just, I feel like it's worth making some of those distinctions. I feel like there are some people that are, that are victimized because they just want to express like, well, life is really hard. And I have been really hurt. And uh, I need some extra help. And I'm, I'm looking for that. And and even when I try harder, I keep falling and suffering. I keep, uh, you know, having some of the same troubles, and I don't want that. But that's that's where I am, and I and I need the help. So um, I don't want to cast those people under the victim bus and uh, and and dismiss them. While while recognizing that they're you know people who do put up walls, and again, I want to be compassionate even there sometimes people can't get in touch with their own vulnerability enough to ask for help in that more gracious way. Um, and I want to give them the help in that way anyway. And if they still can't receive it in that way, you know, I, again, maybe there needs to, there, there need to be some boundaries that are placed and, and, and there, there need to be criteria. I mean, we can't, uh, yeah, we can't uh, just control everybody because we've we've suffered or we've been hurt in certain ways.
0: Yeah, so to first address the macro point you're making there, every time there's been a movement um, with based upon those dirty wounds, as you said, um, that has taken over and literally overtopped the government to put their own in. It's happened a number of times in the Latin part of the world. It has always been vastly worse for the common individual person than than it was before. So just as a historical note, um, but to, to talk about the micro, using your example of the individual at the homeless shelter, um, there you're showing that, yes, you're in a spot where we don't know how you got to homelessness, but presumably something bad happened. And Something bad happens to all of us. And this is kind of the extreme example that we have within our society. You can't really get um, worse than them being homeless in our society. Um, so something bad happened that got you there, but you were still essentially called and required to better yourself in a capacity. And on the micro side, what bothers me and what, what, what I think that this is the difference that that trying to tall back to, to what Christ calls us to do. Okay. Bad things happened. Sure. We all recognize that bad things happen to all of us. Um, and that might be the exact same event happened to three different people. And you'll have three wildly different outcomes based upon how they deal with said event. Um, some of its preparation prior to the event, some of it's in the event itself, some of its aftermath, but the way you deal with things and the way you prepare for things can put you into different situations. Um, so we are called, you know, by Jesus to to keep preparing to be better spiritually so that we can move ourselves to be in a state of holiness. And I, I don't want to mix the metaphors here. So if this this parable he gave is is off from what he's trying to teach, because I know he gave parables specific to purposes. But what comes to my mind is when Jesus gives the parable of the women who are waiting for the groom, and some of them have prepared correctly and having enough lamp oil to be there and be prepared, and some of them did not, well, they've all interfered with the same problem. The guy was late. Um, you know, he's supposed to come during the day or maybe a couple days earlier, but he took longer than they thought they were going to. And now we need more oil for our lamps. Um, so a bad thing happened to, to, to these ladies and the ones that were prepared, got through it. So you can say that they all were a victim of this guy's lateness. Um, but some of them had prepared an action to go through it. Some of them had. Shared with each other and and so on and so forth. Um, So what I want to do is look in in our life and saying, Jesus isn't calling for us to say something bad happened to us. Now just lay down and don't do anything about it. But actually to figure out what the true problem is and overcome it, whether it be in actions in the time, retrospect looking at what happened so I can fix my current situation or seeing a problem that's going to come down the pipeline and trying to prepare for it. To me, that's more Christian than sitting down and saying, woe is me. And I also get that to some people who are trying to weaponize um, dirty wounds, as, as you've been calling it, that that makes me a bad person. But to me, that's looking at the way Christ called it. So again, if I'm using the wrong... Um, Analogy point from Jesus. I I I don't want to do that, but that's kind of how I was seeing it.
1: Yeah. Well, and I, you know, and that's a it's a it's a fair parable to apply to ourselves, and that's an important thing to do. I need to be as prepared as I can be to meet the bridegroom when he comes, and I should start right now as soon as I hear the parable. And I think that's the intention of Jesus in sharing that parable it's dangerous when we start applying it to other people. Well, I deserve to be there because I've kept my lamp full and you don't deserve to be there because you've emptied your lamp out. Well, there's a whole lot more going on. And I'm not saying this is not a direct commentary on what you just said or what you think, Joe, but just to make the observation. Um, Because there are a lot of, you know, you said, uh, you got to work on yourself. Um, So one of the things is, in order to work on ourselves someone needs to believe in us and that's something that i can't really control for myself Uh, and and that's the kind of thing that's sometimes missing in people's lives is they don't have anybody that believes in them and and if we look at them and say well look your life is a mess go work on yourself Um, well it's like are you willing to roll up your sleeves and help them to work on themselves are you willing to to step into their situation and they've been told for so long that they're useless and will amount to nothing. Are you willing to stay in the ring with them to, until they actually believe that they are beautiful and can amount to something? And I think that's where we get into danger when we start making judgments on other people's lives, or when we start to apply these you know things in, to other people that that uh, we we imagine everybody is on the same playing field when in fact, When you've gotten to the point of homelessness, there's a lot of stuff going on there. And when you say we've all had hard times, you know, I I have not been violently abused uh, sexually or physically. I haven't been told by the person who should love me unconditionally that I'm useless uh, or I haven't been used as a drug runner for my, you know, drug dealer, dad, you know I mean? It's not really true. I haven't suffered like other people have suffered. I have had people my whole life who have believed in me, supported me, provided for me and given me opportunities. And I, I simply can't make the comparison between myself and someone else. So, but if I start investing in someone, are they willing to, you know, I'm willing to stay in the ring with them. Are they willing to stay in the ring with me? And I, I don't want to say that there's no free will. Of course, there is, um, but just we—it's always—it's uh, a little touchy to understand how much input there's been. So there's a uh, one of the monastic fathers, Saint Dorotheus of Gaza, who tells this parable, and I won't get the all the details right, but he basically says um, two twin girls uh, are they—they're orphaned and then they're sold uh, into. Well, let's say they're adopted to make the, uh, the parable a little less convoluted. They're adopted into two different situations. One is adopted um, by a, a loving Christian woman who provides everything for her, believes in her, supports her, and helps her to, uh, to become a virtuous woman. The other is adopted into a band of uh, gypsies, uh, well, let's not even say that, into a band of, uh, into a circus uh, with prostitutes and is basically formed as a, a kind of sex slave. And um, now when when one of them commits sin, is it on the same par as the other one? <laughs> uh, is basically the question that he comes to and, and you know, then just says like, we're just not in a position to, to judge where people are. And so that's where we want to provide what we can provide for the person to do our best. And, and all of us are not in the same position. I, I don't work directly with you know, homeless people or at homeless shelters. And I love the people who do and get to know the people in those situations. They understand. They can see the ones who are really ready to receive help, who have sort of hit rock bottom, who are vulnerable in a way that they're, they're open to being supported. They can see other ones who are still kind of posturing and uh, they're trying to, you know, get what they can out of the system. They're, they're trying to extract without giving. Um, They're not willing to take the risk of letting someone really into their lives. They're trying to, you know, weaponize their dirty wounds, as we talked about, or um, trying to manipulate the system so they, they can just get what they can out of it. And it's a you know, there's a well, there's a survival skill that's active there, but there's an unwillingness to grow, and so there, are those different situations that you know, if we're in the position of helping, we have to make some prudential judgments around where people are. But um, yeah, I just think it's uh, it's always important to realize like, there's a lot more going on there. That's why we are not the judge. Uh, God is the judge. He's the only one that knows all the circumstances and that knows where people's will was really engaged, where they really actively resisted help, where they've really developed vicious behavior, where they have uh, cultivated, um, you know, ill will or, or malice toward others. Uh, God alone knows where the line is between what is a genuine consequence of of terrible example and and. Suffering that someone has gone through, and where it's a willful resistance to being helped, and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, anyway, I just think it's important to not cast everybody into the same category and uh, and to be sensitive to those
0: realities, certainly. And, and part of your job as a parent is to put them into a, your children into a better starting situation, that's part absolutely of what you're called to do. Um, so uh, but that being said, I, I did want to conclude this episode on on, on your final point there—that um, God is always there with us, and oftentimes praying to Him for someone to help us or to get that positive word of advice, um, it, it it will come, um, and and that's something that I wanted to to point out—that you know, creating an encounter with God that will. For something that that you need, will 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 normally produce um, fruits. So with that being said, we definitely thank everyone for listening here today, and we will be with you again here next week. Thank you.